0: Our first movie tells the story of a friendship behind prison walls that spans more than 20 years. Episode 19 of Middle Brown Madness, an exercise in podcast hubris. My
1: name is Derek, aren't I? am uh, Isabel Arf. Derek, I have yes. um, 15 questions for you. Oh, I'm gonna, God. I'm going to ask you to answer them as honestly as you can. Um, I, there are multiple choice questions, uh, so I will give you the options first, and then if you need them repeated, just let me know. Um, but uh, we have to find out some important information. I actually had someone ask me this on Tumblr, so um, <laughs> uh, I'm getting some information for them.
0: Is this a questionnaire about me, like tailor-made for me?
1: It's a questionnaire. You're the one answering it, but it is not custom-made for you, but the answer should be custom for you. Okay. So. Okay. Man, I hope I don't have to incriminate myself. So, um, the first question is, what sort of social situation do you fare best in? And the answers available are, with people of all kinds, I'm happy to be with friends, family, strangers, I'm very social. Number two is, I'm happy on my own or around friends or people with similar interests to my own. Three is, I'm only really comfortable around close friends. And four is I'm happiest on my own. Which of those describes you?
0: Let's go with number two. Okay. Why does this person want a personality quiz answered by
1: me? Um. What do you like to eat most? Um. Number one is junk food. Number two is something rich and satisfying. Number three is something that tastes good, but I may sacrifice flavor for health value. <laughs> number four is whatever the heck I feel like at the time. Number five is something healthy always. Number three is a snitch answer.
0: Um... <laughs> Uh, no, junk food makes me feel like dog shit all the time. So let's go with number two. Something, uh, was it, rich and fulfilling? Rich and satisfying. Rich and satisfying. Yeah, that okay. sounds right.
1: So question three um, all the calories is, if you could be any size, what would you prefer? <laughs> size? Size. Um, so number one, <laughs> these answers are great too. As big as physics allow me. <laughs> number two, maybe a bit bigger than I am now. I want to be powerful, but not overwhelmingly so. Number three, I'm fine the way I am, and I think I'd be a little too uncomfortable making a change like that. Number four, maybe a little smaller, so I could get away without so much attention on me. Number uh, five, it would be, right, is tiny. I think it'd be cool to be itty bitty. (laughs) Uh, Three, because I'm boring. Okay. I also am realizing as I'm asking these questions, it's going to take a while, and this is not actually going to be the shortest podcast in the world, but Eh. who, who cares? Um Number four, question number four. Where do you think you're most at peace? Uh, in on the mountains, in the sky, in a deciduous forest, parentheses, leafy trees, in a meadow slash open fields, or in a comfy home setting?
0: Oh, God. Um, a comfy home setting.
1: Okay. And now it dawns on me that I think I know what's going on. Which element do you feel most in tune with? Fire, water, air, or earth?
0: Uh, Derek does some research on the fly. Derek does some research on
1: the fly. What are you researching? It's what element do you feel most in tune with? Yeah, I
0: know. Don't worry about it. God. Don't even worry
1: about it. You better not be Googling what the quiz is.
0: No. I mean, Mm. uh, we're going to go with the earth.
1: Okay. And you also better not be tailing your answers to what you think the quiz is. I mean, I want your most, I want your honest answers.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I I don't like, I don't like flying. I don't like being wet. And you don't like being on
1: fire. I don't like being on fire. I I think earth is the obvious one. Um, what sort of plants would you prefer most? Plants. <laughs> what sort of plants would you prefer most? What a strange way to phrase that question. Um, those with medicinal properties, edible okay. ones, uh, thick foliage I could hide or rest in, flowers, the more and brighter the colors, the better, and quote unquote weeds. I appreciate their hardiness. They're pretty in their own way. Why is weeds in quotes? <laughs> You'd have to ask the question ask, the question maker. I don't know. I
0: think the quest master wants to know if I smoke weed. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go with, uh, what was the second option?
1: Uh, edible ones.
0: Edible one. Uh, let's go with the medicinal
1: ones. This one, okay.
0: I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to
1: have,
0: I'm going to shoot from the hip a little bit.
1: Um, question seven. We're halfway there. The trait you value most in a partner. Now Bucklin, There's a lot of fucking answers to this one. Oof. Um, loyalty, optimism, sense of humor, uniqueness, comfortable with sharing emotions, shared interests, affectionate, kind to all, Physically strong, emotionally strong, independent, passionate, creative, and physically attractive. Who oh boy, that's a lot of things. Ugh.
0: I'm going to go with,
1: let's go with affectionate. Affectionate, okay. Affectionate. i to question eight.
0: I mean, most of those are pretty good, but
1: let's go yeah. with affectionate. How do you feel about attention? Number one, I want all eyes on me at all times. I'm gorgeous, baby. Number two, I like having attention frequently, but not overwhelmingly so. Three is I appreciate getting others to listen or watch when I have something to show, but that's it. Um, I'm not fond of tons of attention, but I'll withstand it if necessary. I only want the attention of my friends and family. No one else, really. Uh, don't what? look at me. Wah. The wah is in there as part of the answer. All right. I um, uh, I don't mind attention, but I don't seek it.
0: I'll have the third one. It's like, I like having an audience if I've got something to say.
1: Okay. Question nine. We're getting there, people. What type of environment would you thrive in, assuming you were something non-human?
0: Assuming I w- Assu- okay. Assuming
1: <laughs> I was something non-human, huh?
0: <laughs> I feel like I might have given the game away with that one. Mm, you didn't give shit away. I figured this out by question four. <laughs> um, I- all right. Let's pretend like I don't know. What are the options? God,
1: I can't. I can't read these with, with a straight face. I. <laughs> Sorry, you brought this
0: upon yourself, Isabel.
1: I have thick fur built to endure cold climates. Maybe <laughs> snow, maybe windy mountains. I have a light coat of fur that keeps me warm at night and in the colder weather but doesn't overheat. Somewhere mild is perfect. I have a tough hide that protects me from all elements, though I don't really prefer the cold. I'm built for warmer weather, so I follow the warmth, and I'd most rather be in a cozy home. None of that wild animal stuff for me. These are all leading options. Well, try, pretend you don't know what this
0: quiz is about. Okay. And just um, shoot from the hip. Shoot? Shoot from the hip uh, is uh,
1: uh, option number two. Okay. You have a light coat of fur that keeps you warm at night in, in colder weather, but doesn't overheat. Cool. Yes. Number 10. What do you do better than average? What, this is a terrible phrase question. What do you do better than average than most others? Arts and crafts, math and science, reading and writing, sports, video games, brain teasers and puzzles. I don't have a single thing. I'm decent at most everything, but not exceptional. Or, or I'm good at everything. I feel like I would be remiss if
0: I didn't say reading and writing.
1: Okay, makes sense. Favorite genre? I hope I hope this doesn't fucking end with me having to fuck a rabbit or something. <laughs> uh, who knows? Favorite genre? Book, movie, show, etc. Horror, drama, action, romance, comedy, or I don't know, whatever is pictures, cartoons. Ah, oh, god, it's got to be action, right?
0: It's got to be action, even though comedy is right there. I love. I think if you were to ask, people would probably say action. So, action.
1: Okay. Favorite type of game? Um, RPGs like Pokemon and Skyrim. Fighting games like Tekken and Smash Bros. Puzzle games like Tetris and Portal. Phone apps like Candy Crush and Angry Birds. Odd indie games like Yuminike and Mad Father, Shooters like COD and Halo. Classic Dungeons and Dragons. Party games like Apples to Apples and Taboo. And, or I don't really care for games.
0: Uh, Puzzle. Puzzle. Tetris uh, and Portal are literally two of my favorite
1: games of all time. There we so. go. Did you ever play The Witness? Uh, No, but it's been on my Steam wish list for ages. You fucking got it. I think it's like the weird libertarian unlocks you get are fucked. But as far as like puzzle design, like pure puzzle design, I think it's – and the way that it teaches you those puzzles, I think it's like genuinely like a perfect game. What social media are you on the most frequently? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, or Snapchat? Twitter. Twitter. Both of us, I think, at this point. I've mostly abandoned Tumblr, sadly. Uh, Except for questions that I get from people that lead me to ask you 15-part quizzes. You held out longer than most of us have. What sort of pattern would you most likely have? I feel like if if I hadn't already given the game away previously, I think this is going to do it. Um, Scale dot patterns, probably. No defined patterns. Colors sort of fade and blend into each other. No defined patterns. My colors are solid and easy to differentiate. Stripes or spots that aren't too out there but noticeable. Or, I'm mostly one color, so no patterns or noticeable changes.
0: I'm gonna go with, uh, I'm gonna go with no pattern, because I don't have a pattern. There's
1: two of those, though. There's one where the colors sort of fade and blend into each other, and there's one where the colors are solid and easy to differentiate.
0: Uh, the one with the gradient colors.
1: Okay. This is the final question. This is question 15 of this mystery quiz that we have no idea. And it's the longest (laughs) question. Fuck. I forgot. I. mystery quiz in quotation marks i looked at multiple of these quizzes to figure out the best one there was one that was 26 questions that i didn't do um this seemed like the as i was doing this it seemed like the perfect length and now that i'm reading them all out it doesn't but sorry audience you're listening to this whole thing so that you're aesthetic Mm. pastel cute things and sweets clear night skies stargazing wind through my hair tarot cards magic glowing eyes Naps in sun rays, fireflies in summer evenings, home-cooked meals made with love, untouched wild landscapes, fire burning with passion, with comfort of my closest family, mounds of golden riches, raw power, endless skies, early spring mornings, music in the wind, comfort within treetops, boundless freedom, sharp weapons like spears, medieval armor, quiet rushing water, natural hot springs, neat-looking minerals, open meadows with butterflies, wildflowers abundantly, the smell of crisp autumn air, savory smells from restaurants, The warmth of independent cafes. Beds lined with plushes. Independent cafes. What a unique thing to add to there. Parties with friends. Sodas and chips. Dancing without a care. Dew-laden grass. Soft mossy hollows. The smell of sweet spring air. I feel like the rest of the questions don't actually matter, and this is determining which answer you get. But, fallen trees covered with mushrooms. Hidden forest clearings. Night walks. Hiking. Gemstones. Oddities. Nightlife. Sleeping until noon. And Raves. Or, long naps, holiday dinners with family, responsibility and power. Huh. <sighs> so, uh, which of those is your aesthetic? I'm not going to fucking read them again. No, no, no.
0: Uh, it was one of the early ones that referenced hearty meals.
1: Hearty meals. You mean, Do you mean home-cooked meals, cooked with love? Huh? That's the one. Okay. So, Derek. Yes. Dr- drum roll. Derek, I'm happy yes. to announce that sure. your fursona is a rabbit. <laughs> rabbits tend. This is from the, the website. Rabbits tend to be more relaxed and practical. Oh, they may be Lord. similar in personality to horses, but less willing to take risks. A rabbit could easily fit in as the mom friend with their need to see everyone safe and sound, as well as their selflessness. I feel like that's a pretty good description of you. I feel like, as far as things go, Man, I, of I all see the animals why I you picked th- rabbits.
0: Of all the animals, I was afraid I was going to have to fuck. I didn't think it was going to be the one that I was.
1: You don't have to fuck any animals, Derek. Just you're you're for sure it doesn't tend to be sexual. But I did have someone on Tumblr ask me what what your persona was, and I told them I would figure it out. And I I always keep my word.
0: So <laughs> rabbit, huh? Yeah.
1: So uh, you're a rabbit. Um, I'm a deer. I didn't take the quiz. I just um know through my own ways. Uh, so if you want to draw fan art, do I get a say? I okay, Derek. Did you already have a? I, I'm sorry, Derek. Did you already have a persona made? I didn't have a fursona made. Would you like to, you to Would you like to define
0: ju- one now? If you would if you would have just asked me the fucking question, I probably I had two snap answers.
1: Okay, Derek, I'm very glad we did that fifteen part quiz <laughs> only for you to tell me that you already have a fursona. Here's sure, do Derek Sure Derek, hey Derek, what's your fursona? Okay. I don't have a fursona. But You do now. The the podcast fans ask- say you do and they need to know what it is.
0: Okay. So if you were to ask me, hey Derek, what's your fursona? I would say I don't have one, but if I had to pick, it would have been either a bear or an owl.
1: Yeah, a bear makes sense, and an owl makes sense too. Um I feel like like an owl and a deer makes sense as like a pairing.
0: Now I just I guess I guess I just gotta consider rabbit now. But yeah, I figure owl and deer make sense as a forest dwelling pair.
1: Uh so yeah, if you wanna draw fan art, um then you can draw Derek as an owl. You can draw me as a deer, and we're all set. Absolutely, do please. please do legitimately, we will put it as like our cover art or whatever. Uh, we'll 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 do something fun. With we'll it. do something fun with it. We will. I promise that anyone, even if it's terrible art, even if you're a terrible artist, any art that you draw of me and Derek as our personas, we will. I will. I at least will retweet to my own personal Twitter account. I am, I. I have like four hundred twenty followers. I have the weed number of followers. You gotta. <laughs> that's worth something.
0: Oh man!
1: But Derek, this isn't <laughs> just a podcast about your persona. We've been doing this for sixteen minutes. Uh, you know, sometimes you make a mistake when you decide to do a certain uh, thing as your intro, but uh, you're but you're already seven questions in at that point, and you didn't realize that your co-host already had a persona picked out, so you waste time.
0: I answer. I had an answer at the ready. Anyway, <sighs> middle brow madness.
1: Middle brow madness. This is not. Uh, a furry podcast oh also if you draw my persona, make sure I have, I have antlers important i don't
0: have any specifications other than you know make it an owl that exists in canada like a great horned or a snowy owl also like that.
1: uh just to be clear please don't make them like sexy
0: <laughs> yeah we're like listen listen you know this is okay, look, look, say, if, this if,
1: if you want to draw separately sexy and send it to us that's fine but we don't need any fan fiction of Derek and I. We're we're a loving couple, but we're also an asexual couple. <laughs> we do not fuck. No offense, Derek, you're a very attractive man.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say that this is a family show, but it absolutely is not. Yeah,
1: no, this is we definitely er- not a family show.
0: We earned that explicit tag. Um, but most of the time we don't talk about personas.
1: <laughs> we talk about movies, don't we?
0: This is either the best or worst intro we've ever done, I can't tell.
1: <laughs> uh, um, I like to think it's more yes. ling brow madness.
0: Oh, it's right in the middle brow madness.
1: We also have a great letter to end this podcast. This is going to be a great episode. I'm going to talk this about crying gonna- a lot, too, in a little bit.
0: Oh, this is going to be a corker. Middle brow madness. What the fuck is this show, even? <laughs> uh, IMDb. Uh, that, should, that should be the tagline. Uh, yes, so on the Internet Movie Database, which is a very popular website, there's a list of the top 260, 250 movies of all time. I don't know why I said 260. That's the wrong number. So we've put these 250 movies plus uh, six ringers, uh, three that I picked and three that Isabel picked, into the list to make a 256 seed single elimination bracket. What we do on the show is we pit movies against each other in pairs so that eventually we get to the end where we crown a champion. We have a winner. The best movie of all time Asterisk, and um, this is this is our this is our cross to bear now. We are like, what like thirty percent up the first round bracket now.
1: Yeah, on the, yeah, something like that.
0: We're on the hook to do this until, like, I don't know how long you did uh, uh, reloading the cannon with Ross. About a year, a little over a year. Oh, we are going to beat that record. Oh, absolutely. So today's matchups. Every episode we do two. Oh, I should also note, we have Veto, since this is a two-person operation. Mm-hmm. In the first round, we each have four. We've both used one. We use a Veto, which basically counts as another vote to break ties. So, two matchups today. Uh, North by Northwest versus Monty Python's Life of Brian. And Grave of the Fireflies versus Rush. Banned, but the movie. Thanks. A bunch of <laughs> appreciated. Uh, okay, so, tail of the tape for our first matchup. The 74th Seed, North by Northwest, released in 1959, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, written by Ernest Lehman, uh, starring Cary Grant, Ava Marie Saint, James Mason, and Jesse Royce Landis. John uh, over- Landis. John Landis. Max Landis. No. No, 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 no. Let's no. Let's facile. No, no, no. Uh, 0 for 3 at the Oscars that year, all technical awards, and a decent hit, $10 million on a $4 million budget, which is pretty big for, for the era, I think, versus Mighty Python's Life of Brian, released in 1979, directed by Terry Jones, uh, written by uh, the Monty Python guys, starring the Monty Python guys, but also uh, Terrence Baylor, Carol Cleveland, and Sue Jones Davies. Um, turns out that this didn't really get a lot of awards pull, I wonder why. <laughs>
1: I mean I like got they a did. lot of attention from the Vatican for what it's worth.
0: Yeah. And uh made twenty million dollars, a tidy little sum, on a four million dollar budget. Now. Uh so let's talk about North by Northwest. Yeah, what about it? It fucking
1: rips. It's awesome. I agree, Derek. Oh, I man. agree that North by West- Northwest is an exceptionally good movie. It's also it's so fun. It's really funny. It's really funny. Cary Grant is. Like this is no surprise to someone
0: who's like familiar with like his uh his like screwball comedy turns, mm-hmm. but Cary Grant's fucking funny.
1: He really is. He his delivery is so dry and so fun. And he this is a movie where he kind of lets loose in certain areas, like the whole drunk scene. A drunk
0: scene is great. The whole
1: a uh, whole drunk sequence, I guess, because there's the drunk driving scene. Then there's also him trying to defend himself uh, uh, to the police while he's drunk and is asking the police for a police officer. Oh, man. Um, and he sells utter absurdity as well as any hitchcock protagonist ever has
0: mm-hmm. and uh and this
1: movie is awful full of utter absurdity
0: yeah he's like he's like this close to going to like turning at the camera and going can he believe this shit <laughs> yeah. this is wild why is this happening to
1: me the moment i knew i was kind of like on board for this movie um was when he gets kidnapped and is the most nonchalant kidnapped victim He's so amenable to being kidnapped, he treats it as like, oh, this is a slight diversion, a slight annoyance for my regular day-to-day, even though he's picked up by people who put a gun to his back and drive him to a place in the country where he could easily be killed in just a moment.
0: Well, he's not really in the country. He's on Long
1: Island. <laughs> well, but it looks like the country. He's from where Chris is from. It is. Shout out to Chris Mello. Shout, Shout out to, Chris out to Mello. Long Island. Shout out to Lo- Long Island.
0: Um, so yeah, so Cary Grant... Okay, so I, I, I forget where I saw this, and sorry for not giving credit. It was probably just Wikipedia. This is the first James Bond movie. Yes, yes, yes. It is It is a dude getting caught up in, like... The only thing is, what if James Bond was not a spy and just, like, a dude? <laughs> yeah. what, what if James Bond was, like, Don Draper? And he kind of just gets caught up in this, like, Cold War plot. And uh, it's a case, a classic Hitchcockian... Uh, a classic Hitchcockian case of mistaken identity. Uh, he gets, yeah, he gets taken to Long Island and Martin Land- Landau pours him a nice tumbler of bourbon. Or is it whiskey? Something. He bourbon. gets him drunk. That's bourbon. Cary Grant gets one-liners. He gets to act drunk. And also, smoothest motherfucker to ever be on a screen. And every scene that he's, every scene he's in, with Ava Marie Saint, I can't believe they're not immediately just having sex on screen.
1: This movie is incredibly horny for a movie made 1959. pretty horny. Even by, like, modern standards, this movie's pretty horny.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, just Ava Marie Saint gives Cary Grant, like, straight-up fuck-me-eyes on the train. <laughs> it's wild. Um, but, yeah, this is a mistaken identity plot. Uh, we don't know this early on, but Ava Marie Saint is an FBI plant. Uh, Carrie Grant gets mistaken for a George Kaplan. Uh, a man who doesn't exist. This yes. is uh, a, a, a a a a fib of the FBI. So James Mason plays the heavy. He's like, like, uh, he's what the fuck is James Mason's deal in this movie? His deal is he's
1: rich, and his name's James Van Dam. <laughs> oh yes, J- JVD. And he and his uh, his right hand man is Martin Landau. Yeah, yeah,
0: a young, a young, handsome, ass kicking Martin Landau.
1: This one of those. This can be one of those movies where we don't know what to say about it because it's so <laughs> iconic, it, and it it's it because it rules too hard. I mean, it's it, What I didn't expect it to be so fucking entertaining, and also it's it's not really like like Vertigo and Psycho, and I haven't seen Rear Window, but like The Birds, Rope, those are movies with suspense. Strangers on a Train, those are movies with suspense. This movie doesn't really have suspense. I mean, there's there's things that are suspenseful in it, but even like the uh, the famous crop duster sequence isn't suspenseful as much as it is rowdy and rompish.
0: Yeah, this is a rollicking movie. It is just fun from top to bottom. Uh great performances and class just classic title right from the titles yes. which is like one of the earliest examples of like kinetic type used for credits and just the bombastic like just powerful Bernard Herrmann score. It's it's just it just oozes fun.
1: And it's, it's wild. It has such a confidence in the way it's directed. Like, this is clearly Hitchcock just hitting on all cylinders and going, yeah, I know how to direct a fucking movie. Watch me. Watch me direct yeah. a movie. And it does things that are... One of my favorite things in it is there's a sequence where um, essentially some exposition is happening, and we already know the information, so we don't need to hear it. So instead, there's just like this loud plane noise that happens, and when it's done, everyone knows what happened, <laughs> which is brilliant. It's like it's like here you don't need to know the shit. Just we're just gonna skip past it, and you don't care. It's, or like later on, not to spoil the end of North by Northwest, but <laughs> um, they're hanging on the side of, of Mount Rushmore, and how are they getting up? They need to get up, and then it just cuts to them being up, and they're already married, and they're they're going the the penis that is the train is going into the vagina that is the mountain, and they're about to yeah. fuck, and that's just how the movie ends. Who gives a shit how they got out of that situation? They did.
0: Like, figure it out. Don't worry about it. Yeah.
1: It's like it's like, do you want do you want like the police debrief? And I It's like no. I really respect a movie that just says, you know, you get it. You understand how movies work. Let's just go to the stuff you actually care about.
0: Yeah, let's just like what if you made a movie that was just good stuff? And that movie is North by Northwest. (laughs) Yeah. It's um I mean to like to go down the list, it's like it's no, everyone is operating on such a superior level. And it's like It's, and it's not just funny, it's also just clever and it's like mordant. It's, it's not just, oh, here's a good gag because there are like gags. It operates on different like registers of comedy. There's like, there's like sped up footage of Cary Grant while drunk grazing a fucking police car. (laughs) Like it's fucking Benny Hill or something. (laughs) And it's fucking awesome. This is like a blast. And I like, it just bypasses the critical centers of my brain into just, this fucking rips.
1: This is so fun. It's, just, it's, it's pure enjoyment. Even, it's just joy. And I could see why, of like the classic quote unquote Hitchcock films, like the canonical ones, like you have your psycho, your vertigo, your rear windows, your north by northwest, like those four are kind of like, these are four of the greatest movies of all time, and Hitchcock is the greatest director of all time. Cool. Sure. Um, vertigo is not exactly like fun to watch. It's vertigo's excellent. I think it's an incredible film. But it's not really fun. North by Northwest is nothing but fun. And for that reason, I think it gets a little bit of the short uh, short end of the stick when it comes to discussing those classic films.
0: I think it's because North by Northwest doesn't really give a rat's ass about the psychology like of its
1: themes, characters. Or, like I themes? I don't remember who it was. I, I was reading the Wikipedia page for North by Northwest, and there was there was some person who was like, if you're looking for themes in North by Northwest, you're dumb. So basically. Well, Which, st- I, there are themes. And I think that that is fast, overly facile way to put it, but at the same time, it it gets to the heart of what is fun about the movie.
0: Yeah, it's like it's operating on a it's operating on a level that is,
1: like, how to say? There, there's a reason that National Treasure 2 went to Mount Rushmore as well. Sure, I think I, think I think that you could draw a line from North by Northwest to National Treasure, a movie that I also think is a brilliant, wonderful film. I think there's a direct line there.
0: Well, there's there. I mean, it's I mean it's 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 iconic, is what it is. Um, I I think I I kind of I I think I'm kind of picking up what you're putting down because weirdly this has like the National Treasure movies have a kind of like unpretentiousness to them. Yes, and this kind of has that same thing. It's that sort of rollicking. Let's just plug the, the uber-charming Cary Grant into these situations. Let's get awesome, heavy James Mason and, like, awesome actress uh, Ava Marie Saint, and let's just get, like, a just murderer's row of just great mugs to be heavies, and let's just have a blast with this. Yeah. Except this happens to be
1: made by one of the greatest directors <laughs> yes. of all time. Whereas, no offense to the director of National Treasure, I don't even know what your name is. That's John Turtle, Tom. John, what a, gr- John Turtle.
0: Uh, yeah, so, so North by Northwest. Great movie. Monty Python's Life of Brian, good movie. Very good movie. Pretty good. I mean I mean it's no Holy It's no Holy Grail. If, no, this, were, no. if this were North by Northwest versus Holy Grail, this would be, that would be difficult. Agonizing. But it's not, so thankfully we don't have to worry about that for now. Yeah, so but we
1: but we can do is talk about Life of Brian itself.
0: Yes. So Life of Brian is it does to the the, the 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 story. It's the story of Jesus, or specifically living in like sort of uh, uh, Roman, like Roman, like Rome conquered Jerusalem around that era. It's like a satire on Jesus, and it's it's explaining life of Brian is like the dullest shit because oh, it's a satire on Jesus is like just not fun. Could you imagine such a thing? Yeah, but here's the thing: it's the Monty Python boys. So it's like, it's like riotous at times because, I mean, I don't know if you've watched Life of Brian recently. I mean, I know you have, Isabel, but to the members of our audience, (laughs) it's like, but Biggest Dickest is still the funniest
1: shit ever. It really fucking is. It's hilarious. I understand that we're both children for thinking that's hysterical, but it is, it's so funny. It's like how, like the fart scene in, um. Blazing Saddle? Blazing Saddle still works for me. Biggest Dickest also still works for me.
0: And it's not just Biggest Dickest, it's like the sort of, it's it's the slow rollout of like people trying to not laugh, yeah. which in turn makes you laugh. But it's, yeah, so Monty Python, so, uh, okay, so, uh, Graham Chapman. Are you uh, going to explain what Monty Python is? No, Graham Chapman stars as Brian Cohen, not the
1: Messiah specifically.
0: And, uh, the Monty Python boys do some jokes and,
1: uh... And then the movie ends. And then the movie ends. <laughs> I mean, that's really all there is to it.
0: It doesn't have... Like, if we get into the specifics, it doesn't have, like, the, uh, the, the anarchic. it still has kind of the anarchic spirit of, uh, of, of Holy Grail, but it feels more sort of burdened by plot.
1: Yeah, it, it doesn't do, like, there's no, like, in, uh, intermission in it. No. Uh, there's no, like, all of a sudden a documentary crew comes in. There's, there's one,
0: no, there's one gag like
1: that. There's one gag like that that is one of the funniest things in the movie. Yes. Because, even more so than it would be in like another Monty Python movie, the fact that the rest of the movie is relatively it stays in one place. Yes, it, it stays has in Jersey. It has an A to B. Like here's where we start, here's where we end. I see the sequence of events that lead to there. But um, so, so like the the oddness of the spaceship gag. Yes, is <laughs> is, is made even stranger. Um, but as opposed to, like, if it was a Holy Grail where there's weird shit happening all the time, they're constantly yeah, putting, here's some animation, here's, like, something that's not related to the plot even a little bit. Here's this, here's this sudden ending that is still one of the funniest things in the world to me. Yeah, here's the, uh, here's the
0: narrator getting strangled. Yes. Here's, uh, yeah, just, like, for real, it, like, like, if I could digress... They with talking,
1: more stuff with, in, in Holy Grail.
0: Yeah, they also had less money, which yes. helped. Mm-hmm. But, like, if I could digress two seconds about Holy Grail the sequence in holy grail where um there it's it's an animation sequence and they're being chased by a beast and then they cut to terry gilliam having a heart attack is the funniest <laughs> goddamn thing really i've is. ever seen in my fucking life
1: i'm really happy we're going to get to watch holy grail for this podcast it's so fucking funny um it holds up to like out of Decades of me hearing nothing but quotes of it by mm-hmm. the worst theater kids over and over and over again, and me quoting it over and over and over again. It still works. The, the night who say me is still funny. It's still, still funny. Really funny. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about Life of Brian. We're talking about Life of Brian, <laughs> which is still no, very funny. It's incredibly funny, but it has I mean, a, a higher miss ratio. Let's say.
0: Yeah, it doesn't have. It doesn't have the kind of, like, yeah, like the batting average
1: for the jokes in Holy Grail is is impressive and, and holy grail uh, the reason we're talking about that is because it finds every single part of it is a joke the credit sequence is a joke mm-hmm. the intermission is a joke the music is a joke the like foley is a joke whereas like life of brian the sets are not really jokes the,
0: no they the, look the like pretty stuff decent isn't
1: really jokes the music isn't really a joke no well the the theme song is the theme song so- is, but even that it's kind of like a it's a still a nice pop song Sure, it's like a it's like a faux
0: uh, faux like uh, Goldfinger esque number.
1: It's also kind of a um, what do you call it? Uh, Always look on the bright side of life is kind of a wonderful philosophical like Zen Cohen of a cheesy, ridiculous song. It's a good song. It's a great song.
0: Um,
1: like this, uh, Life of Brian
0: relies a lot more on callbacks, on recurring gags. Yes, and. Uh, it just doesn't work as well. The thing with talking about comedy is that it either works or it doesn't, right? So...
1: Like, did it make you laugh? Well, if it didn't, then there's not much I can do. Like, if you didn't laugh when you're watching Step Brothers, for example, I can't convince you that I think it's one of the best movies ever made.
0: I mean, it's very fun. I came to it late, but it's very fun. I don't know if I would go so far as to call it one of the best movies ever made. Probably one of the best comedies of the 21st century. Yeah, that I agree with you.
1: I mean, it's in, my, it's in my top 250. You should really get on that and make one of those. Yeah, you really should. It's really fun. Um, but... It has more dead air. Blake of Brian has more dead air and more things that I was like, oh, I see what you're trying to do, but it's not really like, ha yeah. ha ha. It's more like, oh, that's clever. It's, it's the intellectual, like, oh, I see I see what the joke is. I see what you're going for. It's not as rollicking as yeah. Holy Grail. Or, for that matter, North by Northwest. And also, I haven't watched Holy Grail in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember it being as problematic.
0: You know what? Me neither. I'm sure a fresh re- re- rewatch would would sort of temper that but i want to say that this see this has like what we would call slightly more edgier humor
1: because it's trying to say something like holy grail isn't really trying to say much at all not really whereas this is trying to make points and it's trying to make at times political points and some of those work some of them don't and i think a lot of the ones that don't don't hold up super great
0: yeah, there's like this weird subplot, like this weird the
1: left will eat itself subplot in Life of Brian that I had completely forgotten about. Uh huh. Which I think it, it in the third act it really works well, but in the first two acts it just kind of feels like, like what are we doing? Acts, yeah. What are we like saying? What is the actual point of this? And it's also where the character of Loretta comes in. Yes. Who is? <laughs> um, All right, so let's so let's parse this. Okay. Uh, here's here's what here's what I'll say. Is it is not transphobic. But it is problematic. Sure.
0: Okay. Because the character is used to make a joke point the first time we're introduced to the character. Yes. Of a, a joke of of like sort of dubious quality and a point of dubious quality.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One could argue a deliberate misunderstanding of what a leftist group is is, is in for the long haul for. Uh-huh. But, you know... Just problematic, as opposed to and weirdly,
1: the more the more the joke happens, and the more times it gets brought up. And well, here's what I'll say for, for those who haven't seen it: There's a character who um, I believe Stan would be what we, what we would call today her dead name. Sure. This, this even feels weird to take seriously okay. in this we, way. We, and that, we have we
0: have to say that this character is played by Eric Idle. Eric Idle, um, who, incidentally, is also in blackface in the first scene in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> which I had completely forgotten I to forgot be fair, about that too In blackface but behind a mask Which is a weird call
1: Yeah, don't know what the point of that was Unsure But um, So Eric Idle plays uh, someone who is referred to as Stan And who says They want to be a woman And there's no like Good way to have this discussion Not really uh, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna call her Loretta Because that feels more right to me sure. uh, And it feels less shitty at first, when the joke happens, it, the punchline is Loretta. Sure. But one thing that I found almost charming and almost heartwarming as the movie went on is that she keeps being referred to as Loretta, and she keeps being referred to as she, except for a couple times, which is more or less just by, uh, what do you call it, Brian Cohen. Yes. Continues to be referred to as a woman, continues to be referred to as Loretta, continues to be referred to as she, and I don't know how to feel about that. Cause like part of me like likes that. Part of me likes how the movie just kind of accepts it and moves on. And maybe I'm giving the movie more credit than it should than it deserves. Maybe I was gonna it, say I feel like
0: this is a happy accident.
1: Yes, I feel like it, like if this movie stumbled into. I don't want to say positive repre- representation, but it stumbled sure. into not explicitly transphobic representation. It's stu- it stumbled into 1970. It, okay, for 1979, late seven, it's kind late of sevens, progressive. Yeah cuz yeah the the worst
0: shit of it gets quashed out because the because in that first scene John Cleese is the one going "Baggarpur."
1: Yeah.
0: And that gets
1: kind of immediately quashed. Yeah.
0: Even though it even though it's done in kind of a comedic way.
1: Like the reasoning behind it is comedic. Mm-hmm. But uh it's never really like the objections that are brought up in the in the first scene don't really get brought up again. It's just Aren't kind of brought accepted. Brought up again. I don't know how to feel about that I feel like there's a lot I could probably write about that As a person But like I said It's it's something that didn't It didn't bother me It felt a little like Weird but didn't bother me Like
0: compared to uh, Ted Levine and Signs of the Lance
1: Yes um, And just compared to Something like the blackface In the beginning Which doesn't ever Get nicer
0: It's like, like the,
1: Or, the, uh, yeah, or the rape joke That happens early on Yeah the first like 15 minutes is like Rough going Yes
0: It's like Whoa The 70s were a different time <laughs>
1: um uh, but then the this further work- it goes the better and better it gets i think
0: yeah this movie's still hilarious but it's like real rough going at the start mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean biggest dickest the haggling scene um uh always look like, on the bright side of life uh michael palin as the as the prisoner like that's like str- like not strung up but like sort of hung up on the wall yes um yeah, it's like this this movie lives and dies by its bits and not its like clever clever little little jokes. Yes, right? It lives and dies by it's by its bits. Holy Grail was wall-to-wall bits. And this gets bogged down. It tries for something else, doesn't always
1: succeed. That's fine. This movie's still really funny. If I may make a comparison. Sure. I'd say that this is a lot like um uh, I actually don't remember what the, what the full movie is called, but the the Mr. Show movie about Ronnie Dobbs.
0: Run, Ronnie, run.
1: Run, Ronnie, run, where it's just – it's like takes – it takes one joke and extends it for the whole thing, and it does that to a group of people who are best served by sketches. Sure. Who are best served by a series of jokes and con- like never letting up, and that's what made um, Monty Python, and it's clear like – like Mr. Show is clearly influenced Oh, yeah, by, can draw a pretty straight line. By Monty Python. Yeah. And, like, they've talked about that, like, Monty Python was what we were looking at. And they both suffer when they have to actually have a story, and they actually have to, like, continue the story throughout the thing. Whereas, like, when they just go wild, it's way more fun.
0: Because then they go to Meaning of Life, which is fucking amazing again. And it's like sketches again. I've actually never seen Meaning of Life. Meaning of Life is really funny.
1: I've heard it's very good. And I, I love Monty Python, so I'll, at some point I should get to it.
0: All that to say... Sorry, Life of Brian. You have lost to – to. Uh, well, I mean you've lost to Alfred Hitchcock's North by Northwest. Yeah, There's no shame. Yeah, that's, that's not too shabby. So with that one being decided, let's move on to our second matchup. This has got to be the weirdest matchup that we've had so <laughs> yeah. far. Talk about your mismatched movies. Uh, so number 55, our 55 seed – Grave of the Fireflies, released in 1988, written and directed by Isao Takahata, based on the short story by Akiyuki Nosaka, starring Tsutomu Tatsumi and Ayano Shiraishi, and kind of a flop, but only made like a like it only made like a half a million dollars. I wonder why. Like it didn't? It I wonder why, Derek. Huh. Um, my favorite my favorite bit of trivia about uh, Grave of the Fireflies is that it was released as part of a double bill with my neighbor Totoro. And <laughs> If that movie wasn't the A-film on that bill, I don't know what the fuck to say to the people programming that. God. Uh, anyway, and our, uh, versus the 202 seed, and a movie I never thought would have been in this fucking list, but whatever. Rush, uh, released in 2013, directed by Ron Howard, written by Peter Morgan, starring Thor himself, Chris Hemsworth, Daniel Brühl, Olivia Wilde, Alexandria Maria Lara, one for four at the BAFTAs, and pretty sizable, pretty decent hit. 98 mil on a $38 million budget. So you had not seen Grave of the Fireflies before yesterday. I had not seen
1: Grave of the Fireflies before yesterday, Derek. What did you think of Grave of the Fireflies? Oh, I should say before, like, what I knew about Grave of the Fireflies. So going okay. in, what I knew was, it's fucking sad. That's only mm-hmm. thing I knew. Literally anything only thing I knew. I, oh, okay, I knew it was about war. And I knew... Literally
0: one of the saddest films
1: I've ever seen. Yes, watched, that, that is what's... I was told that it's on every single tearjerker list. And going in, I thought, oh, this is going to be sad. I cried a lot of movies, so I'll definitely cry at this one. But at the same time, like, saddest movie ever made. Like, this is, like, hyperbole. I'm sure it's not that bad. Um, <laughs> if you haven't seen the film, please go watch it. Uh, I'm going to start by saying that. It's a masterpiece. Uh, and I'm also going to spoil the ending right now. So from the moment that she dies until the end of the film... I was not just crying, I was scream sobbing. Like I Like she she being the little sister character yes. of our protagonist, Setsuka, right?
0: Yeah, who's like
1: 5. She's like 5 years old. Max. And she dies of hunger and malnutrition yep.
0: with a with a slab of watermelon in her hand.
1: I'm literally almost going to start crying again. Oh and god. And, like, I'm not exaggerating when I say, like, I was worried that the neighbors would think something was wrong. So I put a pillow over my mouth because I was, like, scream crying, just tears pouring down my face, not coming out of my nose, like, just loud and, like, ugly and the worst noises just for 10 minutes straight. (laughs) And I couldn't handle it. I, I, if you follow the Twitter, you saw a picture of me afterwards. And that picture is a good picture. It was after I stopped sobbing, which took another, like, ten minutes after the movie ended. Um, this so, movie fucking destroyed me in a way that, like, I don't think any movie has. And I cry a, all the time movies. I, I love crying at movies. I, I've sobbed at movies. I've, like, loudly cried at movies before. But nothing has ever done this to me.
0: It's like a clinic in ugly crying. Yes. Uh, title.
1: <laughs> um and, and, it, and it wasn't just the end to be fair like the first like 10 minutes I was already crying and then it just not, it never lets up
0: not just the first 10 minutes the first words of this movie
1: are, are like hey that's when I died
0: an, such and such date 1945 this was the day that I died <sighs> this movie starts at bawling and doesn't let up for 89 fucking minutes yeah. there's like here's the thing there's like moments of levity, of like classic Ghibli lev- levity, where it's just beautiful vistas and like you know pristine blue skies and pristine water. And I was crying and the music through is them, swelling, and it's hunky dory, and they feel so perverse in this because
1: movie. you know that because they're not going to end that way, and you know you that this know. is fleeting. And, and those are almost harder to watch than the actual sad parts of the movie. Like watching them, like the first time they like he shows her how to catch fireflies in her hand and not squash them. It was almost the worst part of the movie for me, like in terms of how hard it was to watch, because you know how it's gonna end. Which part involving fireflies
0: did you cry the most at? The part at <laughs> the beginning of the film the part at the beginning of the film where they escape the tin and you see the resplendent oh, spirit god. of this deceased girl? Or the part where you see the girl very much alive at this point, but burying like fifty fireflies and musing about why their mother died?
1: Oh my god. Like
0: this movie does not let up. And I, I mean, I'll, if you've got anything resembling a heart or a soul, it will fuck you in a way you don't like. If you're not M- Mike D'Angelo, uh, let's not talk about De- Let's yeah, not talk about Iron Mike's shitty review on Letterboxd. But
1: besides the fact that it's fucking, it's it's atrocious, like genuinely atrocious. Um, and what I'll say, like this, is from my own personal standpoint: is I already like I have something that's I think this is a general thing, but I want to emphasize that it's especially strong in me, like stronger than I met than I've seen in other people, is that it's very difficult for me to see something hurting that can't understand why it's hurting. Um, this is why sure. it's incredibly difficult for me to watch animals in any kind of pain or animals even sad because it's like they don't know why this thing is happening. They don't have the capacity that I do to understand what the reasons are, even if the reasons are awful. It's almost like not having the reason makes it so much harder for me to watch it. And Setsuka in this movie is exactly that. Yeah, because she keeps like... She, 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 like, she, she, like she, she keeps doing things where like, you just don't understand why this is happening, and I you can't understand it. Not just that, she, she's just going through
0: the five-year-old motions like, yeah. I'm hungry, I'm tired, the diarrhea won't
1: stop, which is <laughs> verbatim. Yeah. That's a verbatim quote from this fucking movie. Meanwhile, I'm like over here like, I know exactly why these things are happening, and I can't help you. And it's and I can't even explain to you why these things are happening because you won't understand them because you're five years old.
0: Isao Takahata said this was not an anti-war film, and respectfully, fuck you him. know, you've you've got to be you've got to be relatively respectful of the dead. He recently passed, uh, a great artist, like the the Studio Ghibli's secret weapon, because this movie, uh, My Neighbor the Yamadas, uh, Princess Kaguya, masterpieces. But fuck you, man. Yeah. This is clearly an anti-war. (laughs) film. What the fuck is this supposed to be about if it's not war is, war is a pox on the human race? Yeah.
1: And like the, the, the way that, um, what's, what's the older brother's name? Saita? Uh, Saita. Saita. The way that Saita, he puts this hope in his father and you just watch it die throughout the movie. His father who is in the the Navy. In the Japanese Navy. Yeah. And you just see it die throughout the movie. You see the fact that there is no help coming that there is no way out of this. And, and, he, mm, and he, he
0: finds out his father's probably dead because the Japanese surrendered. And he does one last Hail Mary pass, and it fails. Yeah. The dude fumbles in the end zone. No score. Game over. Ugh. And see this? I could see...
1: Here's what I'll say. I could see a less charitable reading in this film that says it is misery porn. And um, I think there are a lot of films that are that. I think, like, Precious, for example based on novel sure. pushed by Sapphire, is um, <laughs> one of those movies that I would put in that category where I believe it is it is doing things to make you feel bad but it's not earning them and it's not making a point from it. Sure. I think this movie, A, it earns it. B, it never is... By the time it lays the real shit on you, it's built up so much trust and it's built up so much um, goodwill and it's built up... It's it's, it's done the hard work. Sure. That it doesn't feel manipulative. It doesn't feel cheap. It doesn't feel like someone being like, Hey, there's a child dying. Aren't you sad now? It's like, Hey, here's a child that you know. Here's a child that you care about. Here's a child that you've watched go through these things that you've watched slowly die th- from malnutrition and you care about her. And she <laughs> dies in with her last act being eating a piece of watermelon.
0: Like her, the literal. Last thing she does, on, like, before shuffling off her mortal coil, <laughs> is thank her brother. <laughs> for fucks... Like, ah, oh God, it's like, just talking about this movie makes me well up. Yeah. Uh oh, man. If you've got a shred of empathy in you, it will destroy you. Yeah. Um. um <laughs> so, Rush. Yes. Yeah, so, Ron so could, Howard. Yeah, so you can be the captain, and I can draw the charts. Sailing into destiny, closer to the heart.
1: <laughs> um, uh, Rush is a movie by Ron Howard about racing.
0: Yes, yeah, so about about beep beeps that go fast. Yeah. So yeah, the the nineteen seventies uh, racing rivalry between Brit James Hunt and Austrian uh, Nicky Lauda. Um, uh, the the dashing Brit played by, uh, Chris Hemsworth, and the 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 the, the prickly Austrian played by Daniel Bruhl, um. This movie was really fun. Yeah, it was kind sort of, this, of fun. It was like a, this rip roaring exercise in pop filmmaking that reminded me of Tony Scott more than once.
1: Yeah. I think um, that like, um, not to give away too much, but um, I've, I've come to respect Ron Howard as a filmmaker, which is maybe sure. the weirdest thing I've ever said. Because he's the man who made The Da Vinci Code. <laughs> he's the man who made Angels and Demons. He's the man who made Solo, a Star Wars story. These are not directorly movies. These are not movies that have a voice. These are not movies that are good. But Rush and In the Heart of the Sea are movies that tell me that somewhere in him, Ron Howard has great films. Or maybe whoever Ron Howard partners with. I feel like Ron Howard is a, is a corraller of talent more than anything else. And occasionally sure. he corrals such talent that he, accidentally or on purpose, makes a masterpiece or borderline masterpiece. I would consider In the Heart of the Sea a borderline masterpiece. I would consider this a, a masterpiece, little m. I don't know if there's really sure. differentiation there. Um, I get four and a half stars, not the full five, but mm. this movie has such pure kinetic energy and such pure forward momentum, and it takes supremely forward-thinking filmmaking techniques. It takes like this super blown-out look, um, like those races are so blown out, like the way that they sh- that they blur the edges of the screen, um, the kineticism of them. The speed that they somehow symbolically portray in like the editing and how the camera looks, without actually really being that fast,
0: it's it's kind of like this weird marriage of Tony Scott with like the action smears and the kineticism, and it reminded me a lot of Peter Weir's work on the Truman Show, yeah, with like the weird lenses and the odd blocking and the camera placements, and also it's like it's kind of like a diet Michael Mann, where he's trying to get that same sort of kinetic digital kind of
1: and the digital cinematography in this is beautiful it's really good and And it it transports all those things that are are very like the most like the forward edge of what at least mainstream filmmaking looks like the the edges of the mainstream like man isn't as much mainstreaming as more as he used to be Scott was never fully in the mainstream he was making major motion pictures Mm -hmm. but no one would say that like Man on Fire was a blockbuster film
0: he was always kind of an art like Ridley Scott is the one with like the arty pretensions, but Tony Scott was always kind of like kind of like an avant-garde damaged director. Yeah, there's always just something about his work.
1: And Ron Howard transports these into the most popcorn of popcorn flicks that no one would have any objections to this movie.
0: No, it is a like solid four quadrant sports movie. It's like it's a perfect story. It's like. Like this, this is like this. All like mostly checks out. All of this happened in like the seventies, and it it's like, I mean, you like I could go on about sports and drama, and this kind of drama is a bit tougher to come by in a sport like auto racing. But when it happens, it's awesome. Yeah, and it couldn't have happened in a more perfect way, even though de- even though Nicky Lauda had to lose half his face for it. <laughs>
1: God, um, and fucking James Hunt died at forty five of a heart attack because of course he did. Yeah, and. I was just impressed by the way that Howard's able to wrangle that and not sand off the edges.
0: I, one of the advantages of not having a style is that you could do anything. Yeah, you could just do whatever. If the if if you, you if you have the itch, you could scratch it. If if he felt like doing a
1: Tony Scott movie or a Michael Mann movie, he could just go out and do it. And it's not just in the cinematography, which I think is genuinely stellar. I think that um, everyone does great in their roles, especially, mm-hmm. um, what's Inglorious Bastards Man? What's his name? Daniel Brühl. Yes. Um, I think he does ama- amazingly in his role. And the way that he, I like the way that the movie plays with sympathies and plays with audience expectations on that. Whereas, like, when we start the movie, Hemsworth seems like he should be the lead. And he seems like he, he should be right? the star. He's sexy. He's having fun. He's fucking Natalie Dormer in, like, the first five minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. You're like, hey, yeah, this is our hero. And then you see um, this other guy who is, like, prickly and he's not fun to be around and he's really mean to everybody. He's kind of a dick. Kind of a dick. And he's he's set up as, like, this is our secondary character. He's the rival. And then the movie slowly – there's no one point where it happens, but it very slowly circles around that and turns it, hundred like, 180 degrees. So by the end, it's the reverse.
0: Yeah, Daniel Brühl is 100% the, the lead of this movie. Yes. This movie.
1: And by the end, he is the hero.
0: Yeah, even though he doesn't win.
1: Yes. Um, I think that that's, like, it's fascinating to, like, look back at it now and be like, I don't know when that change happened. It was so smartly directed and Mm -hmm. so smartly paced that it just happened without me noticing it, and I appreciated it so much more for that.
0: Yeah, both the leads are really good. It's, like, (sighs) my favorite scene in the movie. It's, like, this is, like, this is, like, a perfect cable movie. If this were on, like, three on a Sunday, I'd be thrilled. Um, my favorite scene in the movie is when uh, Daniel Brew first ki- – when he first meets uh, Alexandra Maria Lara's character.
1: Oh, yes, yes, And
0: yes. they're in the countryside in Italy. And – well, actually, that whole scene from when he's in the passenger seat going on about how great his ass is. Yeah. Which is, hila- which is hilarious. And then the car breaks down. Like, he's being a prick to her about, oh, your car's just dog shit. You were fleeced at the garage, whatever. And you're thinking, oh, man, what an asshole. And then the car breaks down and then these two guys like they they try to hitchhike he fails uh she tries to hitchhike she succeeds and then these two just bros just completely go past her and go oh shit you're nikki lauda it'd be an <laughs> honor if you drove my car and my f- and my favorite fucking scene in the movie it's like 2 seconds it's daniel bruhl in the in 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 the driver's seat just grandpa driving and He's having some banter with uh, with uh, Alexandra Maria Lara, and she kind of eggs him on to drive fast, and he like just jams the clutch, shifts the gears, starts going just incredibly fast, and then it's a hard cut to the back seat, and it's a it's a zoom in on the two bros in the back yes. going whoa, <laughs> and it's hilarious and it's awesome. It's so fun. Hey,
1: Rules. It's this is a, such an incredibly fun film.
0: I would have never watched this movie if it wasn't on this
1: list. Me neither, 100%. Like, I, I don't give a fuck about racing, I don't give a fuck about cars, and, like, I don't really care for Ron Howard generally, or at least I, I didn't think I did. Maybe I do. I mean, I still, I feel, I, I still think shit like Apollo Apollo 13 kicks ass. Uh, it never really worked for me.
0: Eh,
1: um, but, um, But, this is a fucking great movie.
0: Like, I don't think I've seen engines look this cool in a movie since Tulane Blacktop. Yes, 100%. It's like, it's, it's a great car movie. It's just like a solid rivalry movie. It's like, it is bare bones shit. It is, screen, it is screenwriting 101 shit. But it looks so crisp. It's such a fun ride, pun intended.
1: I think it's like, like, um, Ross made fun of me because um, stuff like, like, I recently updated my personal top 250 and Rush just barely got on number 247 and it, it kicked off stuff like The Phantom Carriage. Yes. What do you call it? Passion of Joan of Arc, which we've talked about previously. <laughs> you like this better than Passion of Joan of Arc? If I had to watch one of them right now, fuck yeah, I'm watching Rush. Holy moly. Okay. It kicked off all these incredible films and Rossman was like, this is the definition of middle-brow madness. This is the craziest <laughs> thing we have ever done and this is the it most is. middle-brow movie. This is the most middle-brow-ass movie and it fucking owns.
0: It owns Bones, but is it better than Grave of the Fireflies?
1: What do you think, Derek?
0: Okay, time for a little bit of meta gaming. We haven't metagamed in a while. Okay. I I think Grave of the Fireflies is a better movie. I
1: would I, I, I would agree. I believe Grave okay. of the Fireflies is a better film. Um and I would I would now consider it one of my favorite films. Okay.
0: And I think it's like fucking phenomenal. If I had to draft my 250, you bet your ass it's on it. If we move it on, we have to watch it again. Now, I've already watched this movie 3 times. Jesus. So I didn't have I didn't have like the first time I saw it I had not not to the same extent but I had the same reaction you did i I, I cried I was I, I, I was I was moved and hurt an equal amount but the second and third time that 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 sort of uh, more um, more obvious expression of sadness was replaced by just kind of like a deep like you know how you get so bummed that the back of your eyes start to itch
1: yeah actually yeah you, get,
0: you don't you don't cry you're just kind of like. Like you gain like fifteen pounds. Yeah. So that's kinda of what I felt this time. But this is the opposite of a fun hang. Like Rush is awesome. I'll throw that on now again. Like Grave of the Fireflies is something I've gotta take out of a little loose sight box and act all ceremonial like about. Because it's it's it, it just it just makes me fragile. It just I can't do anything else, and I can't do anything else for like a bit before and a bit after. Yeah. But I do think it's the better movie. That's where I'm putting my vote. But I do want to issue caution.
1: Okay. So I'm going to vote for Rush and use a veto, because I'm never oh going god. to watch Grave of the Fireflies again.
0: No shit! Whoa! I Oh my
1: god. I kind of knew this was gonna happen. <laughs> I've been planning Whoa! I've been planning this all day, and it doesn't feel great. Oh my god. I think that Grave of the Fireflies is one of the best movies of all time. I think that if this was just, oh, I never have to rewatch these movies again, I can just move forward and make votes. I think Grave of the Fireflies would probably make it to like at least like a semi-vine. Like it would, it would go far.
0: Holy shit. But
1: I'm surprised. I can't watch it again, Derek. Like I'm I'm not I'm not just saying that as like, oh, a funny bit. I'm saying literally the uh, it hurt me so much to watch. <laughs> like it
0: hurt your soul to watch.
1: That's like I don't want to go through that again.
0: That's astonishing. But to be fair, like not to metagame further, Grave of the Fireflies probably loses to North by Northwest in the next round anyway.
1: (laughs) I would have, if I like, if I was of the opinion that I am willing to watch this movie multiple times, I would probably use a veto to move it on past North by Northwest.
0: Oh, Lord. So then we would have, then we would have had a problem because I would have started stacking vetoes at that (laughs) point. but we don't have to think about that because probably in the greatest upset of the first round not counting three idiots fucking rush and, moves on to the next round
1: i want to be clear as clear as i possibly can that oh, grave of the fireflies is a better movie
0: okay i agree i 100% yes. agree with that
1: uh this is literally for my own like emotional well-being
0: even though we don't have to watch this for like another like like another like 6 7 months no
1: but like the it's not uh, here's the thing i might at some distant point in the future choose to watch grave of the fireflies again i can't watch it on a schedule i can't watch it on a hey you have to do this for a thing
0: you gotta do it when you feel ready yes
1: and yeah i mean i feel you i get yeah. it yeah so wow
0: that's a, that's astonishing i didn't see that coming. so this is
1: a veto for practical reasons
0: wow 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 i'm 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 like i'm a gog.
1: Uh
0: um, am i using that word correctly
1: you are so Derek, holy shit, that's <laughs> astonishing! And luckily, we're getting this one on the first take, unlike three idiots when we recorded that. That's
0: true. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the at the at the, at the wave bar going wave bar um, yeah, wave bar. Um, but yeah, oh, so that's so that's the, that's our matchups for for oh, that's astonishing. That's our matchups for this week, folks. Uh, next week or next time, rather, we will. Oh boy. Um, so we're going to be doing two more matchups and those match. Oh boy. Those matchups are downfall versus three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Hoof. And fight club versus the handmaiden. Now that's going to really prove to be interesting. Yeah. Because if you recall, this is David Fincher's last crack at it. And if
1: you recall, I'm a lesbian. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so the handmaiden has, <laughs> has some points already in my book. Uh... Haven't seen yeah. it.
0: Yeah, I hear it's good. And it's Kirk Chen-Wook joined, right? Yeah. Apparently it kicks major ass. Um, yeah, it's going to be a wet and wild episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, speaking uh, of wet and wild, should we uh, do the email that we got first or should we do plugs? Let's do email first and do plugs. Okay. So this email comes in. Um, I'm just going to use the person's first name because I don't want to just like run away say people's last names in this podcast. It's weird. We don't want them to. We don't want them on a list. Yes. Um this is from Robert. Um, Hello Robert or, or I'm not going I'm not I'm not uh, we're not I'm familiar enough to say Robbie. So let me say Robert even though I'm pretty sure that I actually that I actually call you Robbie. But um <laughs> here's the here's the wild thing about the internet is that I don't really know people's last names. I know their usernames way more than their first names, but I'm pretty sure this is the Robbie that I'm thinking of and that I'm friends with on like a lot of other platforms.
0: You know what's weird? I don't feel I know someone until I know their their last name. Well, too bad.
1: <laughs> uh, you'll never know this one. So, probably not. Uh, this is from Robbie. Uh, and he, oh, he signed it, Robbie. Okay, cool. We're good. Hey fellers, okay. I've been enjoying the show's rapidly increasing erotic focus. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice knowing classic cinema can be openly enjoyed by insatiable horn such as myself, not just weird sexless androids like Lights Camera Jackson. This got is me thinking. A, is he a sexless android? Ha, uh, we'll get to that in a second. Um, this got me thinking. What, in your opinion, is the sexiest scene in all of cinema? Are, are there iconic scenes that got you all horned up as a youth that you remember fondly? Those are different questions. I feel like this, we should... Yeah,
0: those are two different questions.
1: And there's a third question here, which is, lastly, what do you think of Lights, Camera, Jackson? And I think, uh, sadly, we'll tackle that one first, because I have no strong opinions. I watched one video, and I was like, this feels like it's, it's a bit, but I also don't think it's a bit.
0: I don't really have any strong opinions, but all I'm saying is that if you ask a child for their opinions, you get what you ask for.
1: Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's that's my take. That's our opinion Except- on Lights, Camera, Light's Except Light's
0: Cameron Jackson's not a kid anymore. He's got to be like a... He's like one 20 or 21 adults. when I
1: looked up pretty recently. He, he's like no longer a teen, technically. Just barely.
0: Um. Yeah, this this cat's like 20. Or 20 or 21. And richer so, than we'll ever be. Richer, richer, more beloved, and has a bigger platform than we'll ever have.
1: But so, um, let's start with the things that got us horned up as youth, I feel like. I feel like that's the best place to start.
0: Ah, God. Um, Like... Are we talking formative crushes, or are we talking like first first boobies I saw in the movie? I'm thinking
1: we're talking well because the question is specifically about scenes. Like, what okay. are the scenes that got you horned up? Horned up is the word. Crushes crush crushes crush too innocent horned. for that. Like horned. like I had a crush on Fran Drescher. Sure. I wasn't horny for Fran Drescher. I mean now horned now up. as an adult I am obviously I'm a grown I'm a grown person obviously obviously but horned up horned up. We're going to go back to uh we're going to go back to the year 2000. I'm a young man.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm like what? I'm like 12? Yeah, because yeah,
1: you're, you're 2 years old with me, right?
0: I'm tw- I'm 12 years old. So, this is like I think the perfect like right in the pocket for this is doing something to me and I don't quite fully understand it yet, but I'll, I'll figure it out. I think it like transcends gender, it transcends sexuality, it transcends a lot of things was Charlie's Angels. Yes, and that's 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 Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy Liu. Absolutely, which I think fucked me all up in all kinds of ways.
1: Speaking of that, uh, I, I, if you weren't going to mention that, I was going to mention that too because I was going to say um, in the a, Barracuda scene. The Barracuda scene is the Barracuda scene. That bar, Barracuda scene changed everyone's life that saw it. <laughs> if if you were a child when you saw that scene, it did things that you are still unpacking right now. I
0: I probably saw this on video. After my 13th birthday, and I'm still thinking about
1: it. See, like, the first time I saw that movie, and that scene specifically, was in it was in a room full of other teenage... Uh, at that point, I was going to say... Uh, it was a room full of teenage boys. And sure. I think everyone in that room had a boner, and it was the most awkward thing in the world.
0: <laughs> oh, Lord. It's better than watching porn with your bros, I guess.
1: But yeah, no, that's that scene is uh, something. Yeah, it's, but, but like... Th- just that just that whole movie. Yeah, that whole movie is. And also, it's just a good movie. Like, I've watched it as an, as an adult who is less of a horned up, like, teenager. It still holds up. It's really fun. Um, you have, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bill is in that. Bill Murray. I, I was thinking of... Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover.
0: Tom Green.
1: Being weird shit. Tom Green, who was at the time married to Drew Mary murray if I remember correctly.
0: Uh-huh, at that point, yeah, He's, that's weird. Like someone, someone pointed out. I forgot. I forget who. It's like it is fucked up to read the Barrymore family tree and see Tom Green's name. It <laughs> goes straight from John Barrymore to fucking Tom Green.
1: Um, but yeah, it still holds up. Very fun movie. I think it's McG's best film.
0: I haven't seen that movie in fifteen years.
1: <laughs> you should rewatch it. It's fun. Sam Rockwell's in it too.
0: Sam Rockwell's in it. He that's dances true.
1: as he, he does, does in every movie.
0: Well, you know, you got a skill. You got a party trick. You do it at a party.
1: The next question is. What are your? What, in your opinion, is the sexiest scene in all of cinema? So this is no longer what horned us up as teenagers. Sexiest scene in all of cinema. The sexiest scene in cinema. I've had some time to think about this because I've I've had this question for a while. Do you want me to answer first? Yeah, because I'm still thinking. And I'm sure everyone who knows me is probably screaming this at the at the screen. It's not going to be surprised at the very least. Is Secretary?
0: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Secretary is one of those movies for me that it hits all the right buttons. Um, both I I think it's a great romantic movie. Um, I think it is like generally hits all the emotional notes I want to. It's also incredibly hot, um, especially for someone of my persuasion. So, but M- Maggie Gyllenhaal does some good jerking off acting in that. God, I wish I had a snap answer for this. That it wasn't a roadhouse. <laughs> yeah. You can't say roadhouse for this, please. I
0: can't say roadhouse.
1: That's grotesque.
0: Like the last movie I can think of that, like, I don't, I, I don't think that I, I don't think I'm going to uh, add a superlative to this, but the last movie that I could think of that was just drenched in sexual energy
1: was The Paul Schrader Cat People. That, yes, that is... That's a horny movie. It didn't make me horny personally, but it's a movie that just... It exudes it's, horniness. It's so horned up that I
0: think <laughs> I, I, I... I caught horned watching it. But I can't say that in the episode where you
1: led with the furry questionnaire. Nope. It's in... It's. it's I mean, it's in there now. <laughs> um... Uh, I didn't think I'd come out of this episode looking like the least furry of the two of us. <laughs> but thanks, Derek. I, Appreciate I it. I still...
0: F- to be fair, I think you still have that belt pretty solidly around your waist. Yeah, I guess.
1: Yes. So we've talked about boners a lot this episode. Yeah, uh, I guess And we've we talked about boners and crying and furries and uh, Alfred Hitchcock. It's a classic episode. Alfred Hitchcock, more like.
0: Yeah, more like Alfred
1: Dickcock. Good one. Uh, earlier today, I was thinking about... Um, oh, God. Um, who was the presidential candidate that... Um, he drove out in the uh, in the tank. Michael Dukakis. Yeah, I was thinking of like Michael Dukakis <laughs> for no reason. Just thinking about it. Uh, um, let's wrap up this fucking episode, Derek. I need to take a shower we, so badly. We, I need. To don't drink we have s- a
0: third part to this
1: question? No, that was the third part. We talked about all three. It was lights, Light right, camera, awesome. Jackson, horny as his kid, and horny as an adult.
0: Okay, so uh,
1: thank credits, you, Robbie, plugs, for that. much appreciate it. Yes,
0: thank you very much for the question. It was very difficult for me to think of something. That was worth answering. But that doesn't matter now. It's answered. So if you want to send us some uh, questions to make our podcast even fucking longer than they are, you could do so by emailing us at, at oh gmail.com. god, We've been
1: recording for an hour and 40 minutes. Yep. Just this episode. This head
0: cut. Yep. Um,. If you want to get to uh, in touch with us, you can uh, get to us on Twitter. I am at Derek underscore G, and Isabel is at Space Jam fan. You can also follow us on Letterbox. I am at Derek underscore G. Isabel is at the Traps Jaw. And if you want to, I've already said about email. Send us all sorts of shit: recipes, uh, opinions on the Roman conquest of Britain, uh, Bollywood information, all sorts of shit. Also, you can give us a rating on uh, Apple Podcasts, like maybe a five, maybe a four maybe a two who knows uh whatever you feel like giving us also leave a comment we love getting them i we feel like reading them
1: three would be most appropriate for this podcast wouldn't it we're middle brow podcast right down the middle
0: yep <laughs> uh, but whatever you feel like doing is you know any anything helps we're so small that it does have an effect and i think that's it so
1: until next time i've been derek <sighs> goddard i've been isabel arf have movies, be jolly. Have movies, be jolly. Good night, everyone. Good night. Um, time for me to go get drunk and take a shower.